Welcome to the Matthias Barker Podcast, everybody. Hey, I'm happy you're listening today. So today we're talking about trauma and romantic relationships and kind of a unique dynamic where actually going to trauma therapy can present some problems in romantic relationships or it can feel like we're actually getting further apart. Um, it feels like things are actually getting worse. The dynamic between you and the person that you love is getting more complicated the deeper that you get into trauma treatment. This is actually a pretty common occurrence. And so I want to give a little bit of an explanation for, for why this happens. And then maybe actually like a practical point, um, you know, something you can do, something practical that you can respond with, you know, in light of that. So this is actually um, a small clip from the Q&A section of my trauma workshop that I just released. So um, the trauma workshop was called The Free Mind. We just did the live Q&A portion the other night, and I liked this clip. Um, it's about like a 10-minute answer to this question. Um, I thought it would be just generally applicable for everybody. So um, I was thinking you might want to hear it. My significant other and I are working on our trauma separately, but we seem to be moving further apart. How do I help us move back together as we go through this? And then there was another question towards the top that was kind of adjacent to this. Um, My girlfriend wants to take a break for four months so that she can work on her past trauma and how it's affecting our relationship. How do I navigate this? Hmm. Yeah. Navigating relationships. While processing trauma, while going through trauma therapy, yeah, it can be totally tumultuous. It can be really disheartening to feel like, well, this was supposed to be something that was supposed to bring us closer together. Like, like I'm going to process my stuff. You're going to process your stuff. That should actually remove some of the boundaries that are getting in our way. So why does it seem that diving into that process, at least initially, it feels like we have to get further apart? You know, the first thing that comes into mind for me is um, an example that I think functionally is very similar to this would be actually in the case of like OCD when you're working with someone who has um, obsessive compulsive disorder um, it's actually very advantageous to bring in the partner into the session as well because typically there's like these micro routines that the partner actually ends up getting um, just conditioned into whether intentionally or unintentionally um, that reinforce some of the problematic behavior so for example Let's say that um, somebody has um, a compulsion to wash the dishes five times every night before they go to bed. Um, You know, if you were partnered to somebody who had that compulsion, you could choose to like let them do dishes in the evening time before bed, but you might feel some compassion for them and you might feel sad and you might feel like, oh, this isn't really something I'd. I know what to do with, so I'm just going to jump in and I'm just going to help them. So you might jump in and start drying dishes for them or at least spending time with them as they are, you know, moving through their compulsion. And then over time, maybe over years, that actually might start to become a bit of a bonding experience for you because it's a time every night where for you, you're serving your spouse, you're serving your partner, you're helping them. And they are really stressed, you know, maybe initially before bed and, and with your help, they can move through doing the dishes five times faster. And, and that's actually kind of a bonding moment for the both of you right? And then, you know, the partner starts to go to counseling and starts to kind of work on their stuff and actually is making some progress. And then there go the evening quality time moments together of getting to do the dishes. And then a few things can happen. It can actually feel like the two people are getting further and further apart because this bonding mechanism is actually detaching. Um, In some cases, in the OCD example, like 
the partner can start to kind of undermine the counseling, actually start to provoke, um, maybe even subconsciously, some negative behaviors to get them back to that thing that felt so bonded and close. In other words, there's lots of routines that maybe were formed within a maladaptive or within a problematic um, environment that actually had some bonding characteristics. And so the challenge when you're going to trauma therapy, to bring it back to trauma, is that it's very likely that there's actually these small moments where you actually bond with your partner in the traumatic responses, in the traumatic um, environment. And so when someone starts working on their trauma, when someone starts going to counseling and processing it, two things can happen. One is that they start to detach from some of the maladaptive behavior where you found that you were actually bonding. And then and the other one could be that they might just feel especially vulnerable. They might feel especially just kind of tender because they're touching some very personal places, perhaps some very like, I don't know, some places that create high physiological arousal that make you really nervous that might provoke things like panic attacks or nightmares. They might have more trouble sleeping. And so that just might create um, a bit more fatigue than normal. And so so two maybe pathways of, of uh, that can be problematic there. The first one would be you have to create new routines. Like I, I was thinking of an example with trauma. One could be like let's say that someone is just naturally very socially avoidant. And so they lean into you because maybe you're very charismatic and maybe you're someone who likes to, I don't know, kind of work a room and you like to invite people over and they are typically a bit more, you know, they, they stand on the side of the room. They're not maybe one to kind of jump into conversation. And it's more than just introversion. It's more than just them not being as, you know, extroverted as you. It actually has to do with a little bit of avoidance, a little bit of, you know, um, alarm and hesitation when it comes to close personal relationships. And so you've really kind of warmed up to the idea of kind of being this protector for them or being kind of the initiator, kind of being the facilitator for them to bring them into kind of warm social environments. And then perhaps they start working on their trauma and they start wanting to kind of edge out and actually building these close, intimate, attached relationships with key friendships. And then you find that your quality time with that person is actually going down. The need that that person has for you on you know every front and every domain of, of their social needs is, is actually spreading out to different key relationships in their life as it should. But then you feel kind of left out. You feel kind of left behind. And it's not that you're left behind. It's that perhaps you actually had an over a meshed, you know, relationship at the beginning. And now it's actually moving into a place of health, which means that there's healthy boundaries. And for you, it might feel like you're actually getting further apart. And that might in part have to do with something traumatic in your past, because it's not um, uncommon that people um, who are perhaps like avoidant by nature tend to attach to people who are very... Um, I don't know, not anxious, but um, let's just say very hands-on. <laughs> people who really want to get involved, people who really want to be in, uh, depended on and loved and needed, that those two wounds match very cleanly. And, and so when health starts to enter the scene, when healing starts to come, that actually presents a problem in a domain like that. The second domain, though, um, that isn't quite maybe as, as deep and enmeshed as that. The other one can just be that how do I describe it? Hmm. You know, everyone has normal arguments. Everyone gets into just normal fights about the trash. Everyone gets into normal fights about disciplining kids or um, 
you know, dishes or finances. And when you're moving into trauma work and you have this perhaps elevated amount of fatigue, it, it's, it takes a lot less to push your buttons. It takes a lot less to lose your temper. It takes a lot less to shut down. You, you could think of it like before when you go into arguments, maybe you're at like a three or a four level in intensity. But now that you're kind of doing trauma work and you're kind of maybe going through something like EMDR, you're going through something kind of experiential where you're actually kind of revisiting some past memories, something like that. Um, you kind of just are operating at like a five or a six, just kind of at your baseline. And so that means that arguments that wouldn't have really pushed you over your threshold before arguments that wouldn't have been very problematic before now can push you over that threshold of intensity to where you feel really unsafe. You feel really alarmed. You feel really unsettled and something that was really kind of just mundane and normal before suddenly turns into this big argument. And that that's actually to be expected. That's pretty normal. Um, the key there isn't necessarily to avoid the arguments because you could just, just say like, Oh, I'm just trying, I'm going to try to not bother them. But but like life happens and we're not talking about big significant arguments. We're not talking about your relationship with your in-laws or something. We're talking about routine stuff like, you know, make sure to close the garage door, <laughs> you know, um, after you get home or make sure, you know, make sure to not leave your shoes out. Like it's typically the big arguments aren't over these big, huge things. Huge arguments can erupt over very small things, but dealt with in very problematic ways. And those ways that are problematic can be something like, um, I don't know like with a lot of criticism, um, a lot of intensity, shutting down really quickly, kind of blocking the other person out, uh, something along those lines. You know, it's it's like we kind of resort to unhealthy styles of communication, unhealthy um, conflict resolution techniques when we're stressed. And so maybe the thing to do in that circumstance is to is to really focus on the repair on the other side of things. Like it's okay, you're going to get into those arguments. That's going to be normal. But something that you can do, um, that you do have control over, is after the moment of feeling like, oh, man, we really blew it, or oh, man, we we lost our temper, or, you know, one of us stormed off. Okay, let's loop back around. Let's try to repair that connection. Let's talk about how you felt in that moment, talked about what it was like to be in that argument. Um, where did things go wrong? What did I do that really pushed you over the edge, or, or what just happened in the argument that pushed you over the edge? Like, is there something I can learn from this experience? Is there some responsibility that I can take? Is there some spaces maybe even where I can express what it was like to be in that moment? Like I thought everything was fine and then maybe they just kind of snapped at me and, and that was kind of alarming for me. And so how can we come close and repair after an argument, even if we're not fully in control of how fatigued or irritable or sensitive we are at any given particular point? So... Those would be the two things. One is going to be there's going to be new routines that are going to be established, new ways of establishing intimacy. So you could be proactive and think through what are the things that are changing and what are we replacing them with? That's a really good thing to think through. And then the other one would be, okay, we're more fatigued, perhaps just like going through um, a stage of counseling that's predisposing someone to experience that irritability or just that sensitivity. And so um, not always trying to like uh, walk on eggshells around them, but making sure to focus on repair. Those would be my two recommendations. So.
So that was a clip from my most recent trauma workshop, A Free Mind. If you'd like to listen to the full Q&A, as well as having access to the modules and the workbook and everything else, uh, you can go to MatthiasJBarker.com um, or just any of the links in my bio and click on the trauma workshop, A Free Mind. If the couple's conflict aspect of it, like when I was talking about the repair and the methods for repair, even some of the methods around not going into those arguments with a lot of criticism or defensiveness, if that kind of whole domain of conversation was what really what piqued your interest, you also might find my couples conflict workshop really relevant where I dive way further into some styles of conflict that are um, going to be protective against blowing up into big fights and actually are going to get to the core the you know the main thing that you're really arguing about and a style of having that conflict that brings you both closer together that doesn't drive you farther apart conflict isn't something that has to be avoided and, and feared it can actually be something that facilitates a lot of closeness and connection so that's really what that whole workshop is about you can also find that on matthiasjbarker.com or in any of the links in my bio the couple's conflict workshop um, i hope those resources are helpful have a great day everyone thanks